Friends beyond binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the podcaster patrons that you empower so I can help you unplug. It's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome this is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake. Whether it's thoughts, you know, things on your mind, thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature or routine. So any of those things are keeping you awake. It could be other stuff. It could be travel, work, you know, scheduling, changes, anticipation, whatever has got you tossing and turning and all that stuff or woken back up or whatever it is. I'm here to take your mind off of it and keep you company. And this podcast is really different than most other stuff. I'm really just here to be your boar friend, your boar bud, your boar bay, your boar sib, your boar bestie, your boar bruh. I'm not really here to put you to sleep. I'm here uh, to to just kind of talk and, and meander and go off topic so you don't really have to listen to me, but I'll be around if you need to. Now, if you're new, did I already say, if you're a regular listener, did I miss any parts of the intro? Ooh, really? I'm going to send my voice, did I say that part? I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders. That's how I'm going to do this, what I was describing earlier. Thanks for the reminder, regular listener. Superfluous tangents, extra words, going off topic, all to take your mind off stuff and keep you company while you fall asleep. Now, if you're new, there's a few things to know uh, that regular listeners have communicated to me over the years. This podcast is very different, and that's okay, and it's okay for you to have feelings about it being very different. In fact, both those things can exist uh, in, the, in the same, they, they just do. I guess they can exist in the same place, though, and be pleasant. Uh, so if you're having, if you're skeptical or you're doubtful or right now your, ha- your hackles are up or whatever you say, I don't know about this podcast, that's a very normal way to feel. Or I don't know, why is the podcast got to start that way and then do this? And then wh- when's it gonna, the next part going to start? Yeah, that's okay. It's totally normal to wonder that. And in fact, what regular listeners have communicated to me is that over the years, it takes a few times listening to the show before you could even, like you could decide right away, this isn't for me. But actually I get like a lot of reviews of people that did that and then came back years later, became regular listeners. So you could do it that way, or you could listen a few tries. And one of the reasons I recommend that, or regular listeners recommend that, is because this is a podcast you don't really listen to. So that's kind of the first reason is, oh, it takes a few times to be like, okay, just barely pay attention to the podcast. 
It's a bedtime story podcast, but kind of like when a kid gets a bedtime story, but less. Oh, because I'm a. Yeah, so I don't really. I just lie here and barely pay attention. So it's not like you're telling me a story to engage me. You're telling me a story so I can disengage from the other stuff. And I'd say, wow, that's probably the best summary I've ever heard. Thank you so much. That was great. So it's a podcast you don't really listen to so much as it's running in the background and you can listen into it when you need it or when you choose to or just barely. Kind of like holding on to beach sand. You say you could hold it on and if you hold on to it long enough, maybe your hand sweat will solidify it and turn it into, it wouldn't be beach mud, but it'd be more like uh, clumps of beach sand or you could let it slowly, or you could dust it off. Sometimes I like to pretend, I don't think I've talked about this, but like when beach, when beach sand gets on stuff, like in my mind, kids just pretend visually. This is only a visual exercise. But I imagine my hand, it was dipped in cinnamon sugar. I mean, I don't try it because you only try it once and you say, nope, that's sand for sure. Or your feet, you say, well, there's my feet dusted in cinnamon sugar. And maybe you do like one of those things where you jump up and click your ankles together. Or you you brush your hands off and, you, you know, you say, okay, I don't know, just something that popped in my head I thought I'd share with you. But it is something I do. Or I'll look at stuff and I'll say, Said, even though I'm at a beach and I know, part of me knows, another part of me just doesn't, says, huh. Is that pail and shovel coated in cinnamon sugar or beach sand? And part of me says, well, I wish it was like coated in cinnamon sugar. And you say, really? Because what would you do with it anyway? If it was, you say, yeah, I guess you're right then. I guess it doesn't matter. So we could just look at it and visually imagine it. Oh boy, it went off topic there. Oh, so this podcast is a bit like, it has the substance of beach sand. So that's one thing, just barely listen. The other thing that's hard to get used to or has it takes a little while to adjust to is that uh, this podcast doesn't really put you to sleep either. Even though it's a sleep podcast and I've been doing it a long time, this podcast is more here to keep you company while you fall asleep than to put you to sleep. That's why the shows are over an hour long. So you have plenty of time, so you don't have to say, oh boy, what happens if I'm not asleep in 20 minutes? Don't worry, I'll be here. If you can't fall asleep, I'll be here. If you're not listening, I'll be here. If you wake up later, I'll be here for you. I'm here to keep you company, whether you're awake or asleep. But if you can't sleep, yeah, I'm here to keep you company. And if you're not listening, that's great too. Or yeah, if you want to talk to me later, listen to me later. Or you need me during the day because things are stressful. I'll be here, but I'm I'm not I'm here I'm here for you. You don't have to be there for me in the deep dark night. I'm here to keep talking and keep you company. So those are two things that are hard to get used to, but regular listeners enjoy. The other thing is like the majority of people listen to the podcast in like a certain way. But when I say them, or maybe the plural, well, I guess it is a majority. But there's plenty of other ways as you become a regular listener to say, well, I think I like consuming sleep with me this way. And that could be like setting a sleep timer for 45 minutes or 60 minutes or 30 minutes. It could be dropping us down to 
0.75 speed or 0.8 speed or whatever. You could be the small percentage of listeners that start the show at 20 minutes or 22 minutes or 18 minutes. Uh, so you could see how that goes. Um, what other ways? There's a lot of other ways to adjust the show, but most people, the show is structured so they can be adjusted, but that this is just the way it's mainly consumed. There's no right or wrong way. But so the, the structure of the show definitely throws new listeners off or people that expect have a different expectation. Understandably, that would throw you off. You say, I expected a bedtime story wrapped in a bow. And I'd say, well, clearly, if you, if you, once you become a regular listener, you realize Scoots is not meant to wrap anything. I mean, maybe do some light wrapping, but not wrapping of, with paper or bows. Like, I'm the kind of person you say, like, you, it's, you say, oh, you wrapped that yourself. But I could be like 14 blocks away with your gift, uh, or your bedtime story, you kind of see me, you say, I could see you like two miles away, you wrapped that yourself, huh? Oh, yeah, I knocked over that telephone pole. I couldn't get this one, even though it's just a book, I couldn't get this one side down. And, yeah, it uh, it bumped some stuff on the way over here. Also, I like, I, yeah, I ran out of, I never had any clear tapes, so I had to use various tapes and sticky things I had around the apartment. So, oh, what was my point there? Oh, podcast doesn't put you, oh, structure the show. So the structure show goes like this. Starts off with a greeting, friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So I hope you feel seen and welcome. I really do. Uh, Even if the podcast, you loathe it, I hope you still feel seen and welcome and important because, uh, and that your sleep is important. So that's why the show starts off with that. Then there's business and listener support. The listener support are links that you could use right now to connect uh, with other ways of getting support. Uh, Then there's support for the show so it can be free and come out twice a week. And then, so that's the listener support sponsor, stuff like that. Then there's the intro. This is the first thing that can throw people off is that for some reason, I think if people just start hitting 30 seconds or whatever, it could feel like the sponsors and the intro are the same things or something. Uh, but if you're kind of barely listening, you know the intro serves a very distinct purpose. And if it were, I guess, purpose, purposes, because it makes me think of porpoises. Uh, uh, because I don't think there's purpose. Is there purpose? I have multiple, more than one purpose. Is pur- purpose is one of those words that. Uh, does something when it's plural. I don't It doesn't do anything. Uh, purpose and porpoise. The purpose, the porpoise with purpose. The purple porpoise with purpose. Well, tonight's episode was about, supposed to be about something else, but now we know what it's going to be about. Uh, um, but, oh, the purpose of the intro is one to introduce you to a new show, but the the new listeners to the show, but that should only take a few minutes for a regular podcast. But it also, the reason the intro goes on from like somewhere around 10 to 20 minutes is to give you a chance to get some distance from the day and unwind or be a part of your bedtime routine. If you're getting ready for bed or you're in bed getting comfortable the intro gives you some distance and a chance to wind down. 
which I found in over the years is very important that there's no instant sleep solution that I, that works for me or the people that listen to this show. The intro is the time to get comfortable or, or to do something relaxing or to do something productive. Like you could be doing some light, I don't know, getting ready for bed or just doing some organ, like light organizing police, you know, nothing too strenuous. So that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the show. That's again, key for free show. Then there's the story, which tonight I thought it was going to be one thing. I guess it's going to be something about a purple porpoise purpose. So it'll be, I don't, I don't know what to expect. We'll find out later. Then there's thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. And just see how it goes. I'm just here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff. And the reason I make the show is because I've been there. I know how it feels in the deep, dark night. I know the strong, I know the pain uh, of sleeplessness or struggling to get to sleep or the desire to fall asleep and having it be something you can't achieve. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like during the day when you're not rested or other people are like, like, uh, don't understand. Even when you have a bedtime routine, uh, I noticed, uh, like, and, and I've done this to other people, so now I, I guess i got to apologize to them, but where you say, well, i got to start my bedtime routine now, and they give you a hard time, uh, or they just give you advice that doesn't work. Whatever it is, I know how it feels, and I'm happy to help, uh, but I'm also happy to help because you deserve it. You deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve some rest. You deserve... Uh, to live your life a little bit more full. And if I can help with that, that would be my honor. It would be my pleasure. So, I don't know. I'm really glad you're here. I really, uh, like, you're in and strive to help you fall asleep. Please give the show a few tries and see how it goes. Because uh, I really want to help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to be here for you free twice a week. All right, everybody, this is Scoots here with another tale that uh, people and tales never heard before, even though maybe you should, you may, maybe you could, maybe you could, maybe you would, but maybe you didn't. This is a tale, oh, beloved tale that uh, involves some people we haven't checked in in a while, so long that I have no idea what the characters' names are. You know, names aren't always important. It's the people that are important. Even though you forget their names, you spend time with them. And they say, Scoots, you created the characters, though. I said, no, no, no. I've just been relaying my tales that I'm, you know, that I hear of uh, out on the high, in the highways and the byways of my mind. And those are the founders of the Purple People Circus, uh, one of the most uh, renowned circuses that uh, you, you say, well, I'm not familiar with that one. I say, well, I know, but uh, it's rena- it has renown. not even sure what renown means. Like, in, you say, what is a word that Scoot, what's a proper word Scoots uses over and over again? Renown. I, I, when I reuse my nouns, yeah, I call that. What's one technique that goes into sleep with me podcast that, uh, 
you know, no one talks about and has never been studied before, but there's a word for it, but it's a word for something else, but scooter repurpose, renown or reverb, reverb. They call it reverb. This is reverbing. Uh, oh, like reverberation. Well, it reverberate when I reverb things or renown things, uh, uh, like, uh, what, what does that even mean, though? Well, it's when I re, it's it's when I repeat a noun or a verb, or is it rename. Oh, it's when you change a character's name. No, like sometimes I like to reuse their name over and over again. I rename them. Isn't that just repeating their name? Sure, but rename is easier to say. Rename or. Uh, what if you had, what would, what would it be if you, there was a character, has there ever been a character named Pete on your show? You, do you want me to repeat, you, are you asking if I've repeated before? Oh boy, have I. Yeah, I could, I could do this all day, but this tale starts a long time ago. This is, so this is a tale about the Purple People Circus, but uh, it's called... If it was a book, it would be called The Purple Porpoise with Purpose. Uh, the Purple Porpoise with Purpose. And it starts of all places in the sky, because this isn't the kind of por- por- porpoise you're thinking about. Uh, it starts at a time of the year uh, that uh, some some would say, A.J. and Allie would say it's the best time of the year. And that's a holiday season when this, the, like, uh, when this tale, uh, when, when the pre- prequel, if we were doing the prequel to this tale, is that uh, we would talk about. But it, uh, it's uh, the purple, 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 porpoise with purpose uh, was not a, a traditional mammalian porpoise. Which is what I thought when I heard the story. I said, you got to tell me this story. The Purple Porpoise with Purpose. Uh, the only book I'm familiar with in that genre is Mr. Messy. <laughs> I had to read over and over again. Uh, when I would say, this is the story of my life. Uh, and I'd say, why am I reading it then over in front of my entire class? And they'd say, oh, okay, to make a point. Uh to let you know, let me know you're the authority figure and I'm not. Uh, but that is not what happened with the purple porpoise with purpose. Uh, because use your patience for this tale. This started in Santa's sleigh up in the sky, high in the sky, in the upper atmosphere, even, or maybe not. I don't know where Santa flies. Uh, so many different Santa myths, in uh, fact, you know, factual, you know, all, all the different Santa stuff. And this is not a Santa-centric story, but I just got to get through it. Is that so? There was this porpoise, right? Uh, the purple—it was a purple porpoise. And you know, we've talked about different things about these uh, gifts, uh, like particularly when you get into well, when did Santa stop delivering? You know, that kind of stuff that we don't talk about with children. But this porpoise, purple porpoise, was in Santa's big bag of gifts. And, you know, this only, like, I would say that not the majority of uh, Santa-based tales or tales with Santa Claus in it have uh, 
this occurrence. Usually it's a mechanism for some other part of a story. And it is something you can't quite grasp, but, but uh, you know, sometimes there's toys that fall out of Santa's sleigh. And I don't know if Prep and Landing have covered this uh, because uh, every time I watch those, I, 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 then I get distracted and then I, or then I get distracted by something. I say, wait a second, uh, what would I do in that situation? And then I kind of start reenacting, you know, I pretend I'm, I get caught up in it. Okay, so I'm unaware of what technological mechanisms they have to keep that from happening. But for the most part, they do. And also, we don't have a clear thing on when or if all toys are sentient. Are all sentient toys toys? I don't know. But put it on the SAT and let's find out the answer to it. Uh, Are all toys sentient? That's no, no. I mean, that's a no, clearly. Are all sentient toys gifts? No. But are, are the best toys gifts? No, I don't know. Because sometimes the best toy is a, a toy you buy with your own hard-earned money. Like when I bought that G.I. Joe hovercraft. Even though I know it was too old to buy it. Uh, and I shouldn't have been getting in the bathtub with G.I. Joes at my age. Uh I did it, and I said, I'll never look back. Uh, in matter of fact, I got to track one of those down and maybe get it. I didn't even think about that till another boondoggle here. But some toys do gain some degree of sentience. Now, what goes back to that reverberation thing, and a lot of it or most of it is beyond my understanding. But so this purple, okay, once upon a time, Oh boy, we, I could have saved us twelve minutes there. But what would that? What, who would that have served? Uh, just those people that want to get right into the myth. Uh, once upon a time, there was a purple porpoise. Uh, it was in Santa's sleigh. Try one, once at one Christmas Eve, there was a purple porpoise. And you, you say, well, what was its name? I said, well, so let me get to that. Uh, and this purple porpoise uh, was at the top of Santa's bag on Christmas Eve, uh, excited, uh, like just slowly awakening that soon it would be in a home and soon it would be like, uh, now this purple porpoise, again, to back up, it had reached some sort of sentience earlier because it had some some memories and some anticipations and expectations. Because this purple porpoise, and when you think about uh, sea mammal and most sea-based plush, I don't want to say, I can't say all sea-based plush or stuffed animals, is that the fact that there's a lot of hype when you're backstage, you're in post-production, you're in warehousing, you're in logistics, you know, some of these toys get talking, and there is a bit of a game of telephone, you know, I heard this, or I heard that, or I heard the elves talking, or the humans, or... You know, my predecessor told me, and there are alumni that do reach, uh, if you want, now, you, like, you'd be surprised, but if an animal has a blowhole, it could be a blowhard, even if it's a plush animal. 
And at one point they had a Norwal, Narwhal or a Norwal, I don't know, that had come to the North Pole, a toy that had had a celebrated life as a toy and good companion, even made it to college, uh, uh, but slowly also gained sentience and independence, rare, uh, and uh, I guess financial independence or something, made its way back to the North Pole. As alumni tend to do, and said, well, I want to get back to the North Pole and, and you know, stroll the halls uh, of, uh, you know, you know I, I want to return home and see what it was like, feel what it feels like, and, you know, blow some hot air about what the world, big world's like out there. And actually, it wasn't that much of a blowhard because the Norwal did not tell everybody this, but when it got into the sea mammal plush area in legit, like, I don't know, I just call it logistics, but I'm sure it's like warehousing, pre, you know, whatever, and pre-staging. This is the kind of stuff that doesn't even make it in a prep and landing uh, thing because they say, well, okay, well, we could do that. That's the kind of part we show during the commercial scoots. That's what they always say when I send them a message. They say, dear prep and landing, wait a second. Hold on. Isn't that the department? Oh, boy. Sorry, I forgot your names. Uh, I thought you were prep and land. Maybe you are, though. They say, where does everything get, you know, how does that all work? I make a sleep podcast. Uh, oh, but so... This Norwal, or Narwhal, Norwal, Narwhal, I don't know. You know, a sea-based mammal, I don't, maybe it's a mammal, I'm not even sure. But it went there, and it went, it was, so it just went to the section with the sea-based plush. Uh, nearby, I think it, at least at this stage of prep, it was with other sea-based toys or sea, you know, sea beings, uh, surface of vessels. Not ut- nothing with a specific utility. So not like uh, scuba stuff, but scuba, you know, scuba St- Steve type toys, and uh, you know, dolphin, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was all in the gen- same general vicinity. So this Norwal wanted to go back and. Walk the halls and, you know, relive those times. Oh, boy, I remember when this didn't have uh, digital whatever. I don't know. what Like, uh, looks a lot smaller now or does it look bigger? You know, that kind of pondering. But for all the toys and stuff, they said, yo, yo, hey, uh, what uh, what do we got going here? Tell, you know, these... uh, well, there is, okay, so again, this is tough to understand. Even, I mean, I'm not an elf and I don't work for Santa, so I, I can't say why I don't understand it or why it doesn't make sense to me because I'm not there. I can just say, yes, I recognize none of this makes a lot of sense, but not all these toys are sentient. Again, one of those Santa-based things beyond my understanding but but some of the toys are, and so you say some communicate, some don't, uh, and some of them are like, hey hey hey, what's it like out there? Blah blah blah. And the Norwal went on this one tangent, uh, not as long as this one I'm on, but uh, and said basically, once upon a time I could have done it that way probably. But the Norwal said, uh, 
They said, what's it like? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the Norwalk kind of had to go through what is it like to be a plush? What is it like to be a stuffed animal? Also wanted to point out that for some reason that the Norwalk didn't understand, a lot of sea-based plush is uh, foam, not a uh, one of those loose stuffings. A lot of them have foam balls, uh, polystyrene, I would assume, or something like that. A lot of them are constructed from that. Their insides are made of that material versus a batting or a fiber fill type thing. If any, the narwhal said, if you were, if you do have that kind of filling, you're probably stuffed very, because we have to keep our shape. Basically, we're stuffed different than a lot of other stuffed animals because we were shaped different, you know, positive thing, you know, you know, some bears or other things, they're more rounded, but you know, like, uh, it's just something they've learned over the years. Uh, and of course, none of the toys who are just basically children, you know, but some of the toys, whatever, they develop at different like rates. Uh, so some of the toys were like, what the heck you mean? Uh, why is that important to know? And like I would say, the Noral said, well, that's a great question. And of course, that's why I'm talking about it, because uh, you're really all so lucky. And the Norwal looked over to the other lanes nearby and said, by the way, if you're not a plush, uh, but you're a bath toy, you're lucky too. Because uh, the Norwal said the strangest thing about being a sea-based mammal or, you know, non-mammal sea toy whether you're water-based or you're going to be land-based, uh, you get a lot of different experiences that maybe not all these other toys out there are going to get. And they said, what, what do you mean? And then, like, the Norwalk got distracted and explained the sea to- like the tub to- the toys that could be used in the tub but aren't just 100% tub-centric toys. Like, well, you might get played with in the sand. You might get played with with a play set. All the, it could all, depends on how the child wants to imagine things. And the same goes for all you, my plush people. Because of your shape, not only will you be snuggled with and maybe be in bed with a child or on the couch, or maybe you'll be their companion on travels, but you're going to be, because of your structure, because you have a much firmer superstructure, you might even get played with. And he goes, I think it's something about our fins because, uh, and, and because we're firmer. It's just, it's just a fact. Uh, and oh boy, are you lucky. And that's why I, you know, I came back here cause I'm just so grateful for the life I've lived. And then, you know, some of the toys said, well, what do you mean? And they said, no, no, no. And just, uh, you know, you get to a certain age as a toy and you want, you want to look back. Uh, you, I want to be, you know, uh, a toy like you again. They said, well, why don't you hop in the bin? And I said, no, 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 no. I've traveled. You know, it's your turn. So up in Santa's sleigh, this purple purpose, purple porpoise that would have purpose one day, already felt like it had two per. Whoa, boy. Can't wait to get down to where I'm going. Because then, I, you know, I'll be under that tree. I'll get to experience the thrill of the holiday season.
And then, you know, I wonder if I'll be a snuggle toy or I'll be, you know, they'll be a play toy or maybe even they'll use me for puppetry or shows. So I'm really excited. I wonder which of my purposes will be the one I, you know, fulfill first. Now, this night, you know, it's not famous for this event. Uh, it's famous for another event but glamorized by Hollywood and books. From Golden Books to the Gold... I don't know if they ever did it on the Golden Girls. They probably did. But this was the night of Rudolph's first flight. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This was Rudolph's first flight uh, across the, you know, whatever, where they said Santa, whoa, so tight. You know, but get your nose out here, even though we, you know, even though... It's a whole nother story, but Santa said, Rudolph, you got a bright nose. We need it. It's a stormy night. Again, not everything North Pole based is within the realm of our understanding, as reg- or at least my understanding, as a regular human being. And Rudolph, you know, play with our reindeer games or whatever. Get up, ups in the sky, and let's go tonight. Uh, Anyway, that's a complicated mo- mo- song and movie. We don't need to get into it. Uh, but the, the Rudolph was flying. It was a stormy night. This is just to, to explain why whatever active countermeasures were supposed to keep this purple porpoise in the Santa's bag. Or, you know, you're, you're a smart listener. I know, I know you. Uh, you say, wait a second, Scoots. This is also beyond our understanding and beyond the understanding of this purple, purple porpoise, maybe. And I'd say, you're probably right. Uh, you're probably right. Oh, boy, are you probably right. But at the time, none of us knew that. Uh, and the purple porpoise didn't know that. And they hit some turbulence, and the bag was open, and whatever. The purple porpoise popped out into the night sky. But then something happened because, like, it wasn't just, like, fly up uh, because, I don't know what I was that called, but the purple porpoise already had momentum because the purple porpoise was traveling at the same speed as the sleigh. And also, whatever, there's, like, some sort of, whatever, you know, supersonic stuff is going on. And there's magic in that old tin hat they found or whatever they said, like, uh, and so the purple porpoise got kind of sucked into like a, like a little bit of a vortex, the sleigh, but that's also had some, ma- I don't know, they have like, that's not prep and landing. There's like magical afterburners or something. You know, they have like electrified pixie sticks with uh, magical energy, something. So the purple porpoise got swept up in that. And luckily for a purple porpoise, it also, like, put the purple porpoise into a nice, deep, calm sleep. And the purple porpoise uh, floated. And again, because of this, like, exact same thing that Norwal had pointed out, uh, and because of the magic or whatever, but also because of the shape, and it was like this that foam that you kind of pull, like those foam beads or whatever, the purple porpoise had a a somewhat aerodynamic shape. Now, nothing like, you know, a jet plane or anything. Uh, But it it, it flew, flew, and it got caught in updrafts and downdrafts. And eventually it, it floated and floated down. And of all places it would land... 
it landed, I mean, talk about irony, but it landed, what is those called? Like, uh, antlers, uh, I think that's what they're called, reindeer. It ended up in a set of reindeer antlers. Or maybe they're, no, no, they're mute moose antlers, I'm sorry. Like, uh, and giant moose antlers. So, and like that were cupped in a way. Is that the moose was kind of unaware of it. Uh, the moose was uh, sleeping, and uh, this purple porpoise was sleeping. And, uh, like, uh, the pur- purple porpoise landed in the moose's thing, the, the top of one of the moose's antlers. And this was one of those big, giant mooses uh, uh, they'd see in the, the great Canadian north. I don't know. I mean, I, like, I don't want to trope it, but uh, that's where I'd expect to see it. Uh, wide uh, antlers, or, yeah, I think they're called antlers, and a little bit of moss and greenery. And uh, right on the edge of, a like, a, like a little bit of an overhang. You know, this moose had found a place to, to sleep, uh, and then the moose awoke the next day, and the next day the sun rose, and, and, and the, again, this was a magical sleep the uh, porpoise was under. And so the moose started to walk, and this moose was in the middle of, uh, this moose was on its own journey. This is, moose was named Glisten, and Glisten had, uh, I don't know, Glisten was just uh it had to begin, and I was trying to go explain something without going too far afield. But Glisten had gone far afield from being a moose. Glisten had done a lot of uh, watching TV through windows. I think the most gla- this wasn't Glisten, but it was glamorized in that northern exposure. Not even, it wasn't glamorized uh, like that show glamorized it, I think. Or maybe my imagination created it, uh, but it wasn't glamorized outside of northern exposure. But uh, this moose would wander around these towns. And this was back once upon a time when main streets sold TV. They, they had TV repair stations and TVs. They sold TV stations in independent stores. And repair people could repair TVs. So... I think in Northern Exposure, it's one or the other, where the moose could just wander around the downtown and look in the window and watch TV. And Glisten was raised in an area somewhere, I don't know where it was, to be honest. I don't know if it was the U.S., Canada, or somewhere else, you know, in the Northern or Southern Hemispheres, uh, Moose, mooses are also beyond my under my, my they are beyond my knowledge base. Uh, but this moose, uh, uh, Glisten, watched a lot of TV, and this happened to be an era where there was like a lot of, uh, like at least when the time uh, Glisten was watching, uh, or at least Glisten. I don't know how much the TV shows Glisten consumed that Glisten processed other than like wanting to suddenly Glisten was like, I'd like to be a beast of burden. And, uh, like I said, we'll fantasize about it, fall asleep, thinking about it, wake up, thinking about it, being an ox, uh, being a draft horse. 
And whatever shows, I don't know if there was like shows from like, uh, I don't know what, from the West or like Middle Ages or farming shows, probably all of those that Glisten was watching. And what Glisten would do, and this was an area where moose, moose, mooses or mooses, yeah, moose or mooses, uh, but they were held in high regard and respected but but for the most part they were meant to say hey let the moose let them live their lives please it was like the majority of reasonable adults and children and the policy they said hey let the mooses live their lives please now that didn't work out in a good way for uh glisten because what glisten would do then is go to like farmsteads and just stand around hoping in like kind of like look at look tough or push stuff or maybe push a log but all the people would do is appreciate it or like look at it in a foreign forlorn way like oh boy that looks like powerful moose uh but i just wanted that moose to be free to play like it's playing now i couldn't you know use it as a as as a as like a, a working animal because it's a moose and wouldn't want that. It just wants to out there push that log around in front of us like it's putting on a show. And Glisten got better and better at it because of, uh, it was like these people are watching me. What the heck do I got to do to get a job being a, like a farm, like working on this farm? Uh, it can out pull, you know, like it can do everything those oxes can do or that horse can, no offense, uh, Maybe the farm's big enough for both both of us or all of us, uh, but it just didn't happen. But like, Glisten was not a quitter. Mooses don't quit. I, I think you probably heard that before. So don't quit on the mooses either. Uh, but so Glisten was just traveling around, uh, working Glisten's way across the world uh, or wherever you know the, the areas it was in. Now, meanwhile, at this point, Glisten's got a uh, a plush, uh, sentient, uh, por- purple porpoise in its uh, rack, we'll say. And it's moving along in the sun and heading further and further along. And at some point, the sunlight and the magical sleep wears off of the purple porpoise. Uh, the purple porpoise's name was Preeti. Uh, pretty the purple porpoise, and they just waited because this is a part of the story where pretty will communicate. So, so that's why I'm telling you now. But so pretty woke up, uh, and didn't open their eyes because pretty said, "Oh boy, here it is. It finally must be Christmas. Maybe I'm being carried around now by a child." Uh, We've all done that, right? We've kept our eyes closed, uh, even though we're in the presence of something else and we feel excited. Might be uh, 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 when Koa comes to check on me to see if I'm awake or a child or a parent or a loved one or a roommate uh, or whatever. There's times where you keep your eyes closed. You don't want to open them yet, even though you feel good. And Pretty was doing that, and uh, 
You say, wait a second, I feel like a cool birdie. Well, maybe we're outside already playing. Maybe I'm already part of some sort of play. But Bree opened uh, the, the, her eyes and, and, and she looked around and uh, she saw some like muck, uh, which is, you know, positive, you know, uh, stuff that's gathering in uh, the, the, the bowl like thing of uh, a moose. And then kind of saw the moose was lumbering along and knew something was not right. Uh, and uh, Brudy said, what in the heck? Uh, you know, where am I? Uh, and Glisten said, what the heck? Uh, is there somebody talking? And this could have been, we could, you know, we could do 20 minutes, but we don't really need to of like uh, the comedy duo type situation where for a while Glisten thought, uh, for the, well, I guess we could do it because, I mean, just a summary was for a while, uh, Pretty was still getting to know, like, how, how she was going to move, because uh, she hadn't planned on that. Uh, she had planned on being carried around by a child or saying, well, this is your place. And so she was kind of in the cup of the, 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 the rack of the moose. And meanwhile, Glisten was hearing this voice and, like, thinking that this is, again, these are the levels of Hollywood glamorization that go on. Oh, this is some sort of voice to help me. And pretty kind of, uh, this was all new to them. So they said, okay, well, and then even part of it, like, and this is something I could really relate to, was this is a child playing with me. Maybe my expectations about a child were wrong. Uh, So that explains, like, a lot of it as they were journeying. You know, Glisten said, who's speaking? Pre- it's me, Pretty, the purple porpoise. Uh, and, you know, Glisten said, the purple porpoise. Uh, and Pretty said, yeah, yeah, I'm here with purpose uh, to be played with or to be your companion. And uh, Glisten said, uh, oh, yeah, I've been like uh, like on TV. And then Glisten said, "What?" or Pretty said, what's TV? But whatever, like that went on for a while, but it's just not super, uh, they eventually discovered because sooner or later, you know, uh, Glisten was going to move or toss, you know, to do that glamorous tossing of moose hair or di- dip its head to drink. And in this case, it wasn't to drink. Uh, it was, uh, like, uh, it was getting, it was doing some practice every day. Glisten would practice at all this stuff, uh. So log pushing, log tossing, uh, if Glisten ever found any rope or uh, vines, it would practice like putting on like a, a harness, uh, grabbing stuff with its mouth and dragging it, uh, digging with its hooves. So it went to kind of move a log and... Uh, that's when uh, Pretty fell out, and and I said, "Oh, hey, what?" And I said, "Yeah, no, it's me, Porpit." Oh, okay. And then I said, "Oh, wow, so you're real? I thought you were just a voice, uh, you know, that's helping me find." Uh, but that's when Pretty said, "Oh, so your purpose is to find?" You know, they started to feel the forlorn feelings together, even though they were different forlorn feelings. You know, Glisten wanted to be. 
like a working, working moose. Uh, but also its expectations were based on TV and pretty wanted to be a toy in the arms of a child or playing with as a child as imagined through the eyes of a narwhal visiting the North Pole warehouses. And Prudy said, well, I wonder if we could find something together because they, they, they would stop and watch TV. And then they said, well, some of these, you know, Little House on the Prairie, there's kids that live there. If we could only find the Little House on the Prairie, you know, we could, we like, and that's really what they set out to do. Like, uh, I think that was just one of the shows that they really got into for a while. And I think two or three towns they stayed in for years and just until like they changed whatever the programming time. And they said, okay, no more little house on the prairie. They're all grown up. It's no longer, you know, whatever. But at the time they were, they said, wow, we got to find that little house on the prairie because, uh, they, uh, they like, uh, you know, it looks like they, they, they got kids there. They got farm work there. They got Michael Landon. They also were confused because it was like rod repeats there. Why they see them? That's also an angel. Uh, so it was, but whatever, that was their mission. Find the little house on the prairie. But at the time, well, one, I mean, we all know, some of you are like, what's the little house on the prairie? Well, it's a little house on a prairie. Been in books and a TV show. Probably, I mean, the reboot will probably be out in the next year or two. I don't know which streaming services bought it, but uh, I can, if not, send a check my way, 10%. I mean, you don't even need to include me, but it'd be nice if I could get 10% of something. Oh, who would I cast? I don't know, because I'm in the middle of a story here, but uh, who would I cast? I got no idea, but it, I mean, it's probably already in production or pre-production. And if not, like, uh, really go for it and get the rights because, uh, I mean, if you're going to reboot, if you're going to make like, like movies about, uh, whatever peeps, you might as well, why aren't you rebooting the little house on the prairie? I mean, maybe there's some reason I say, oh boy. Okay. That's why. Uh, but so they were in search of this little house on the prairie, little house on a prairie full of nice people that were active and liked, you know, would love to have a purple porpoise and a useful moose in their lives. Also didn't necessarily exist in the, in the world we're in. It was a piece of fiction, but here's the thing as they were traveling and looking, you know, they were talking and getting to know one another and somehow, and you forget this, uh, because I think this mechanism exists in each one of us, but it's so easy to forget or so easy to turn the volume down on. And that's sometimes why we find out, like someone tells me these tales as a reminder that there's a mechanism of self-care that's built in there if you just listen. And these two, they might not have known they were looking for the wrong little house on the prairie. But what they did get to talk and was, you know, what they dreamed of. And, you know, what you dream of and what you get are always a little bit different. But that doesn't mean, what, you know, that it has to be an all-or-nothing situation. And these two said, okay, 
you know, they they actually got down to pretty much the thing. They said, well, what do you really want, uh, Preeti? When, you know, because first they would have strong feelings. Uh, those are the forlorn in the deep, you know, sad times, uh, you know, at night when they were sitting there sleeping together. But then as they, like, were there for one another and they just listened and said, wow, that sounds real tough, Preeti. Wow, I can understand why I'd be so upset, Glisten. Uh, they said, well, oh, wait a second. So what do you really want, Brady? Well, I want to be played with. Uh, I want to be a toy that brings joy. And, uh, Glisten said, okay, I think I could figure out what, what do you want, Glisten? Well, I want to be a working moose. Uh, I want to be a bit like, a, I don't want to be a beast of burden, you know, but uh, that's what they call it, a beast of burden. And pretty said, well, sometimes they said that I'm a purple porpoise with purpose. Uh, and if I need to be played with, uh, you would be a working moose. Play If you played with me, you would be a working moose. Uh, and they said, okay, well, I think this is it. And as they were on their journey to get what they wanted... It's weird because there's a Beast of Burden song and they were getting what they needed, which is another song. That's a total accident. Uh, but they were out there and they got what they, they found, not just self-care, but care for one another, but also making the most of things. And so uh, Glisten would start throwing Pretty up in the air and then catching Pretty in the other uh horn or whatever antler and pretty was developing you know again beyond our understanding it's some sort of uh you know a uh, magical skeletal system or something and so they got good at stuff and then pretty could direct uh glisten and they would make forts uh or you could throw, like, they saw a basketball thing, so then uh, Glisten was playing kind of like shooting hoops with Pretty, and Pretty's, you know, st- stuffed plush. And even then, a couple times, Pretty, you know, like, uh, landed on the wrong side of the log, and, you know, Glisten was very, very adept with teeth, so they learned to sew. But a lot of it was like throwing Pretty up in the air, and then eventually they saw some juggling stuff, and... Uh, Glisten could throw a log and pretty and everything. And this is when, you know, time, sometimes things work out in a different way. And they were out there, out in the middle, I don't know, not a total frozen tundra, but someplace where it's cold a lot of the time. And they'd been wandering and they came across a lone house, uh, a little house. It wasn't exactly on a prairie, but maybe it was, because you could say, well, that's a little too far south, uh, but you could say it was a prairie. Because they said, is that the little house on the prairie? And at this point, unfortunately, they'd done all that, but they'd also gone to a bunch of farms and stuff, and Glisten still hadn't gotten any work, and uh, pretty was looking pretty like she was a plush that lived in the antler of a moose for a few years, even though fully repaired and functioning. 
she was less of a purple porpoise. Uh, so children weren't in her, they, they never identified it as a plush in the antlers of the moose when uh, Glisson would put on shows to try to get a job, which was impossible to get because uh, the, the people can't, they said, like, like uh, you know what I mean? It was just a, a little bit of a, so they were both a little bit down. So down, in fact, uh, that they got outside of this, uh, they got outside of, uh, like, uh, just as the sun was setting. And they were standing against the western sky in front of the windows of this house. And they could see a couple in the house. Uh, they could see the light coming from this little house on this prairie. And they could see the couple in there moving around and watching them and appreciating them. And, uh, unfortunately, they, like, pretty said, well, why don't you get to, there's some stuff in this, uh, prayer, this, whatever this is, move that stuff, you know, some logs, uh, looks like they're chopping wood. They're watching us at showtime. And Glisten said, I don't, I don't think we're ever, I think we're, like, uh, I don't think we're going to, I'm never going to be a beast of burden. And this is something that happened before and before, but they said, okay, well... But maybe you're right this time. And I don't see any kids to play with me either. So at first they were down, but then they said, well, well, let's play then. Because, uh, you know, like, and then tomorrow we'll figure out what our new purpose is. Maybe we do, maybe tonight's the night. You're right, Glisten. We're, we've been on the wrong quest. Uh, maybe this is our last little house on the prairie. And tomorrow we try to figure out what we should do next. Uh, but let's play toss, toss, you know, toss pretty. And Glisten said, okay. And then Priest I bet you can't toss me, you know, over the, they got to run under, because they, they had like clotheslines. They didn't know what they are called, but uh, you think you could toss me over it and then run under it and catch me? Dare ya. And who cares what those humans think anyway? Uh and so they started doing that. Uh, Glisten would toss Pretty and run under the clotheslines and catch Pretty. And then Glisten started juggling Pretty with some like big logs. Uh, and you know Glisten was doing other stuff. You know, hopping up on two feet uh, and then juggling Pretty with his top uh, clompers or whatever, putting on the whole show. But what they didn't know was the two people whose names I forgot that, that had founded the Purple People Circus were the two people in this little house on this prairie. Now, they weren't farmers, and they weren't parents that I know of, and I forgot their names. Uh, I know they had cool names, and I know they're cool people. That's all that matters is they were sitting there, and they had been... Just at the end of a break uh, from Purple People's Circus, where they took a break from performing and putting on shows. And they had kind of lost, you know, they had lost a little bit of the magic because things had changed in the world. And, you know, they, they had, couldn't put on any more shows. And they wondered themselves if there was room. They, they had been there on a sabbatical. There's just the two of them for a while. 
you know, like, you know, like a couple, like, you know, whatever, you know, how you, you, you were, so they were there, but they, they'd gone, this was like right at the end of their sabbatical where they said, I guess, well, I don't know what we should do. Should we go back? Should we get, should we get the performers we keep in touch with back together? You know, and they said, well, you know, we're here. What's our, what's our purpose? The Purple People's Circus is to bring joy and excitement and, and the joy of performing and the joy of being a part of a, a performance and the joy of viewing a performance and of being surprised. The, the keystone of the Purple People's Circus is unexpected, you know, like that cat that break dances or whatever. And, uh, that's, you know, and, and Phil Fushigi and all that, uh, and they had just had this discussion and, you know, then they had, you know, spent some time cooking dinner and then they made their dinner and ate their dinner. And, uh, so they were really basking in the glow of this firelight, uh, and they were having some tea and just looking out at the sunset, uh, on this prairie, beautiful, snowy, it wasn't a prairie, but, you know, for this situation. Next, when they saw this beautiful moose uh, come into their yard, uh, and they they said, this one big, beautiful moose, wow, regal, uh, but the moose looks a little sad. Well, isn't interesting how we project our feelings onto animals uh it looks like the moose is looking right at us waiting for us or thinking about us and i mean talk about unexpected things then the moose just started to toss uh, something in the air and catch it uh and if this was a different era they would have filmed it on their phone and got a four million views but no this was one of the things they were looking for and then they said, what is that? The moose is just, and then they said, wait a second. It's a, is that a stuffed bunny? No, no, no. Looks like a fish. Uh, wait a second. Uh, and then when the moose and stopped and it looked like the moose, they said, uh, and they had learned, you know, they had been around, they knew about sentient non-human beings. Uh, so they opened their door and they said, hey, hey, uh. It's quite a show. They clapped and smiled. Uh, and that was also one of their tests to say, well, is this sentient non-human being want to engage with me? We'll offer it the opportunity, but not force it to engage with us. And meanwhile, Breedy and uh, Glisten were like, wait a second. They were watching us. They liked that. Uh, feels like as good as it feels like they played with us. Uh, doesn't that feel good? And like we met our purposes? Uh, and Glisten said, oh, it does feel good. Uh, let's get a little closer. And then uh, they said, oh, look, can we get closer? And they said, come on, closer. And they said, that was like a show you put on there. And, you know, the next thing you knew, of course, you could you can infer what happened next. Uh, slow trust-building exercise unfolded. And, you know, they won one another's trust, and then they, they explained to them what a circus was and what performing was. Uh, and now you know. I mean, you've probably seen 
pretty in the arms of children everywhere. That purple porpoise with purpose pretty. You know, in in that that became like there wasn't just, there's not just one pretty in the world now. There's one in the arms of so many children, uh, and you know, like, uh, but they still perform. You know, glisten pretty performing as part of the Purple People Circus, a legendary juggling moose, and its best friend pretty. And it's also a comedy team. And they say, how is a moose in a, how do they do that? What kind of ventriloquism is it? No one knows. Uh, but they both uh, kind of got what they were looking for in a different way. And they became part of a family and a community. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, I guess that's the end of the story. It's uh, certainly one of my favorite ones I've ever heard. Uh, Story of uh, Preeti the Purple, Porpoise with Purpose, and Glisten the Moose. Uh, thanks, and good night, everybody.